Hi there, I'm Mariah Parsons, your host of Retention Chronicles. E-commerce brands are starting to shift their strategy to focus on retention and the customer experience. And so we've decided to reach out to top DTC brands and dive deeper into their tactics and challenges. But here's the thing, we love going on tangents. And so with our guests, you'll often find us talking about the latest trends as well as any and all things in the Shopify ecosystem. So go ahead and start that workout or go on that walk and tune in as we chat with the leading minds in the space. Retention Chronicles is sponsored by Malomo, a shipment and order tracking platform improving the post-purchase experience. Be sure to subscribe and check out all of our other episodes at gomalomo.com. Hello, Dave. Thank you so much for joining us for Retention Chronicles. Really excited to chat with you here today all about Vance. Um, first, let's start off, have you give a little bit of your background, um, give an intro you know, about yourself and your brand as well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Dave. Um, we own a bunch of franchises called The Plug, which are screen print shops. And we created Advance because we wanted to be able to supply the products for the stores. Um, we also thought it was a good opportunity to get us a, a B2C type of market with because um, we have a lot of home crafters, people that do you know small business out of their house, and they need the supplies and materials. So that's how we created Advance. It came about that. Yes. Yeah. So awesome. I understand as well. So I'm so excited to dive into this because this is the first time um, I can say that we've had someone with a uh, B2C approach or like someone even in the crafting industry in general and like supplies. Mm -hmm. So I think that's going to be really interesting. Um, and it's to my understanding when we were chatting before you're expected to see like big growth in 2023, correct? Correct. So we have currently uh, six stores open right now between Illinois and Colorado, um, but we have 10 stores opening up in 2023 in various different states, you know, Texas, Kansas, and so forth. Um, so it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a nice ride this year. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Um, okay. So explain to me a little bit, like why you wanted to get into this industry. Um, like what's the, what's the back, like the founding story there. I think it's always so interesting to hear. <laughs> so I was, I was a educator for a teacher for about 15 years. I coached wrestling, I coached football. Um, and we had, on the side, we had started on a little screen print shop. You know, we were doing screen printing, some uniforms, things like that. And then um, we decided in 2018 to open up, well, we decided in 2017 to open up our store in 2018. Uh, and that was kind of going to be like our proof of concept. So we wanted to make sure we create something that was replicable. Um, mm. And it was standardized in a lot of different areas from pricing to training, um, process, procedures, things like that. Um and then after we create the store, we realized we need the supply chain and put that in place. And that's where Advance came from. So we looked at different manufacturers overseas, um, went through the whole process of getting prototypes, getting demos, things like that. Um, we got our product line in place. And then from there, we uh, we created the company Advance, which actually stands for, because our main product is vinyl, heat transfer vinyl. Mm, yep. um, that's what people use for crickets. They use for cameos when you're making shirts at home. Um so we create the name of our company is Avance, which is A-V-A-N-C. And it's an acronym that stands for all vinyl are not created equal. Oh my gosh. I love that. You know, <laughs> that is so spell, amazing. Right? Most people think we can't spell. We just left the D off or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's even more creative. You know, I hope you say to those people where it's like, oh, what, what does it mean? You're like, just wait till you know this. So it's, wait, say it again. It's all vinyl are not created equal. All vinyl. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The A was what was tripping me. So when you, whenever you're creating a business, you want to look for differentiators, right? And so for us, we knew the best product was stretch vinyl, but they, mm -hmm. those are actually two or three companies that sell it and then they sell it at, at double the price. So we were gotcha. going to sell it at the regular price and we're, we made all our products from our glitters to our regulars all stretch. So now there's no cracking and peeling. They're great for polyester dry fit type stuff. Oh, okay. I see. 
Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I remember, so played, a, I played a lot of sports growing up um, right. and just like did camps. Right. Like I remember like iron ons, like my yeah. mom would be making us shirts. Cause of course that's just like what you do. And it's so fun. Right. Um, so yeah, that, okay. So the no stretching, you make those types of products and like it extends to your whole product line so that, cool. you know, wash and wear and tear and all of that stuff. Um, super Whenever you're creating a business, you have to understand like your market and mm -hmm. then you have to understand how you're going to differentiate yourself from everybody else. So, so what is it that makes you special? What can you offer? What can you do? And for us, we looked at that product and said, we got to really separate ourselves here. We got to offer the the best product, but have to offer at the, the 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 normal price. We couldn't, you know, do with the other companies because most people would just cheap out and they'll mm -hmm. just buy the product and then it cracks and peels. And we didn't want to go that route. We wanted to give them the same product for the same price. Okay. Yes. So let's let's dive into that a little bit more on that like product differentiation and understanding your market. So how are you? Is it because you guys have advanced vinyl that you're able to keep like the quality of the product? high and then also have a lower price right i think you said that is that correct Correct, because we control the manufacturing so obviously yeah. we're controlling the price points um for people that don't know you have to like understand keystoning keystoning is where everything gets doubled over because every hand it touches everybody has profit right so retail if you're you're buying your retail they have to get it at wholesale price which is half the price so i'll give an example if it's 60 bucks they got to buy it for 30 in order to sell for, sell for 60. Now, if you're wholesaling for 30, you have to manufacture it no more than $15 right. so that you can make your profit in there as well. So, and that's what we did. We went to the manufacturer. We knew we had to have that keystone in place. So we had to make sure we could wholesale it at half the price so it could retail it at, again, double the price from that. Right. Okay. Yes. Totally with you. With, um, totally with you there. So another question around the stretching aspect of the product is that that's something that's is that like commonly offered in the industry it sounds like it isn't right it not isn't. for that price yeah no it isn't because when you get to my depending on who you manufacturers it may cost them a lot more to do that so if anything anybody knows about manufacturing every additional expense you know will deter you because people will most commonly go for the lower price item yes okay totally yep um and then so you had mentioned like obviously product differentiation, you have to understand that when you're making your business and then also understanding your market. So let's Correct. dive into there. Cause I feel like, um, hopefully the listeners along with myself have a good grip around like how you differentiate that product or what your vinyl is differentiated on. So let's dive into like, how did you first start to approach now, you know, like you have this great product for the price that, um, like no other competitors on the market even have, how do then do you start to go towards more like selling and understanding um, your market? So, so obviously we have a Shopify site that we sell the product. So once you set that up and you know where you're at, um, I will say you have to like, um, well, well, common mistake most people do is when they set up their websites and stuff is they gear it towards them and not their target market audience, right? Mm, yeah. So, that takes research. You should, you know, and you can find this. You can even look up like certain companies that are your competitors and look up at what their common, you know, uh, customer looks like, what the avatar looks like, and then copy it over from there. So we knew ours was women from 30 years old to 55 years old of age, just the most common. That's what our advertisers look, looks like. I know a lot of people think, well, sports would be men, but you'd be surprised. A lot of the time it's team moms, teachers, and things like that. So obviously our website was geared towards women for that age range and from there. Um, now, when we talk about like target market, how we started off, what we would do is uh, we would run ads for certain areas we thought would need it, right? So you could target like on Facebook or Instagram, the zip codes. And so we would look at um, like for us, for example, like we start off with schools. So like yep. if we know the teacher, the uh, soccer Smart. mom is our average person. Well, we'll look up probably one of the biggest schools that we want to target. Usually, you know, if they have enrollment of 4,000, 5,000, we'll use that address, target them. So people that are entering in and out that building will see our ad, right? Um, and then what happens from there is you'll start to get orders and you grow from there, right? So what we did was we started taking the orders that we received, we started targeting those zip codes because we figured 
you know, if we got that one person, now if that ad pops up in there, we could possibly get a testimonial or referral that, you know, obviously goes a long way, right? Um, a huge, yep. <laughs> it's the best thing you get, right? So we started doing that and we started getting growth in certain areas. And then what we started to notice from that was after doing targeting all these zip codes, that most of our customers that were ordering online were not in big cities. They were in small mm -hmm. rural towns. So we did a little more research and we realized they have no Michaels, no Joannes, no, no Hobby Lobbies. These are areas that are kind of like deserts. So we're like, okay, we really need to go heavy on there. So when we looked at our ad dollars, we started going even more in on those because these people have to revert online. And that's what we have as, as an online business, right? So um, that's what we kind of did to grow in certain areas. And we, we're growing really, really fast in certain areas of the country. Yeah, it's I it's so interesting looking into like the zip codes and even you mentioned like schools. Yes. Do you think there's a lot of people who do that, who look at like zip codes and look at where they're getting purchases oh, okay. and like trying to draw all those distinctions? Because I I mean I haven't run ads. That's not my expertise in marketing. And so like thinking about how you're trying to appeal to the consumer and like trying to target zip codes. Like as soon as you say it, it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But then I feel like it's one of those things that weirdly could fly under the radar of like, okay, right. you're thinking about sports and like rec teams and schools and all of those things that probably are more towards like smaller towns, like you said. Right. So I think when most people start a business, they don't put that much research behind it. Obviously, they know they have something, they're good at something, but you have to first put like together a marketing budget, right? So mm -hmm. I don't care what, when we first started, it was five, you know, we scraped together five grand, but we knew we need to have it, right? You can create a website. I have a lot, of, a lot of people have great products, great services, but if you can't sell it, nobody can see it, you can't get it out there, then it's really not going to go anywhere. Um, but when you have such a small budget, when you're starting off, now those ad dollars become very important. They're crucial. So we didn't want to just waste it and say, hey, we're just going to put together a Facebook ad, let Facebook pick our audience, which is the worst thing you can do. We understood who our, we built out our avatar, who our customer was, and then we had to target those areas. Now, when we were in the beginning, we were looking for just like um, a two to one ratio on return as far as what our ad was. Uh, you know, obviously our goal is to get the five to one ratio. That's where mm -hmm. everybody wants to be, but you can't just jump there. So um, when you understand your customer, you understand your avatar, then I think it helps you spend your ad dollars e easier. You can Google and YouTube a lot of things on, on Facebook ads and how to actually place them. But it's really important that you're not just wasting ad dots or even if you're doing PPC, pay-per-clicks, you know, wasting Google ads on the wrong people. You want to get it into the right hands, people that actually will visit your site, that may share your site and things like that. Um, another way to go about it that won't cost you any money is, is joining the Facebook groups. If you understand your customer, now you know what group to join, right? So we knew we're looking for soccer moms. And of course, there's a lot of sports and people jump towards the basketball, football. But what's majority going to be in those groups? A lot of men, a lot of coaches, right? We figure we'll get the moms in the cheer groups because they're also going to be the cheer moms for the football teams and things like that. So joining those groups because we know our customer, who our customer is, we're able to like comment and leave things that we grew very, very fast in that, in that space. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that came to mind as you were talking about like those Facebook groups, um, I've also, so just with podcasting in general, um, of course a little bit different because like, it's not, you're not buying a product with a podcast, but I've also, um, been advised by other people in the industry where there's just like, oh, like Facebook groups and like Slack communities. There's a lot of power to them just with one, like for learnings, but also just exposure and meeting other people and, you know, everything that comes along with great connections. Right. So super interesting to also think about, you know, what you're saying of those being customers being in front of them and just making them aware of your product. And a question that came to mind was, do you think that that notion is unique to the industry of 
crafting and supplies that go into it? No, shaking her head. I would recommend it to anybody who runs any business. Um, at, you know, when, you, when you're running, when you start off a business, it's not just one way, right? You just can't advertise through Facebook or advertise through Instagram, or you're just doing SEO or you're just doing PPC, you know, Google ads or something like that. Mm-hmm. You have to like put together a good marketing strategy that's going to include a lot of different things. And I would definitely encourage people to join networks. So, you know, I mean, most common networks people think are chamber of commerces, right? Or business networks. But th- those Facebook groups are networks as well. They become, you know, what you're looking for is connectors when you join these networks. You want to get a connector that eventually becomes a multiplier. And a multiplier mm-hmm. is somebody. So, like for me, like, so if we're looking to sell supplies, like a multiplier for me would be some type of like, screen print sales rep, right? Because he has the clientele of all the businesses that need to buy our vinyl, the buyer screens and things like that. If you were in say, actually like screen printing and you were, then you, your connect, your multiplier could be an insurance agent or a bookkeeper or something like that, because now all their clients are, you know, they can say, Hey, well, if you're looking for a pair, you know, looking for apparel, you're, I see you're paying this, you can get it over here. So, but in order to get those connectors and multipliers, you have to get in these networks, which can be easily be chamber of commerce. It could be um, business networks or Facebook groups. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I definitely think there's an application for, you know, whatever channel you're going through, like even like Slack communities as well. Um, that notion of that you just explained of having a connector and then a multiplier and, you know, hopefully an advocate, of course, for your brand that, you know, someone sees like, oh, sees someone post like a friend of theirs and says like, I need X, Y, Z for screen printing or whatever. And then someone says, you know, advanced vinyls, great, like worked for them before. Um, and I think that taps into our conversation. We tap, we tapped into it just a little bit, um, but like social proof and, um, like getting some of that word of mouth marketing. I think that's also a huge play in those communities like Facebook groups. Um, Cause you don't even necessarily, you know, hopefully you get to the point where it's not you, Dave, who would be posting, but say someone else who is that yeah. multiplier that then connects you to other people. Yeah. So, I mean, we do that a lot. Um, um, eventually you'll get to the point where you have influencers and things like that. I just don't recommend people jumping to that point because in the beginning, right. nobody's better to get your message out than you. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it'll grow and grow and you'll, you'll build that network and you'll have people that are those multipliers that feed you a lot of work, you know, versus you having going out and, and, and hunt down all that work. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I like that distinction. Thank you for adding it. Um, and I want to segue a little bit into social media. Cause I know we've said obviously, um, like Facebook groups and communities, but can we talk more about your strategy there? Um, whether it's tapping in with like, uh, paid ads or just overall social media, like organic social media presence. So like when we open up a store, right. You know, so like I, I always hang my hat on the Colorado store because the fact is we knew nobody in Colorado, right. We mm-hmm. had like one friend out there. We didn't have family or anything like that. So when we went out there, obviously we knew we had, we're starting from scratch and Illinois, everybody kind of knew the plug and it's, you know, it has a cachet and stuff like that. Um, so, but when I tell somebody when it's starting off, you know, the way, you know, the first, very first thing you do have to do is build an audience. Mm-hmm. So and you build an audience a lot of different ways. So like for us, we know we got to get to a thousand followers, a thousand likes on our Facebook page immediately. That that race to a thousand is very, very important. So once we knew the location, once we do it, we're getting, even before the store opens, we're building it up. And there's five ways you can post. You can engage, you can inform, you can sell me like, like create a sale, you can inspire, or you can track and analyze metrics. So when we're trying to build that audience, we got to go about it five different ways. So, you know, we just can't have the same. I see some people, I see a lot of companies, they just run the same ad over and over. You Mm. see it, that's it, you see it. And and they have just one approach to social media. And you can't, you you have to find ways to engage. Engaging is, you know... um, you know, like, you know, say your, your sports team won championship, you know, you know, you can create a topic like that, you know, a question on there, a poll, something like that. They just people interacting with you with, that's not even based, based on your product or your service, but you're, you're getting people to interact. 
And then now they're going to start following your company, informing. Now you're going to educate people on what is it you do? What is it you're selling? What makes you different? You know, and from there, you can help build a smaller audience in that. Um, selling, creating quick sales, quick things like that. Buy it now, things like that. Um, inspire. A lot of inspirational quotes. It's easier to gain a following if you're motivating people. So, mm -hmm. you know, we put up things like, you know, quote of the day, we've done things, you know, you know, um, you know, different inspirational things that you see, like, you know, get to the mountaintop or, you know, things like that, you know, um, and then track analyze, we'll do things that, you know, well, we know we'll get a lot of likes, you can post a comp popular meme, but what that does is that lets you know who likes it from there, I can track male, female, age, city, where they're from, and from there. So um, that helps, again, when you do all track and analyze, that's helping your avatar. So you're able to narrow in on your target market uh, audience. Uh, but yeah, but those are things I would sell somebody with social media is you have to get above a thousand right away. Your goal should be get to 20,000 or more, but you have to build that audience and you have to approach it in those different ways. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of logistical things that a thousand is that like unanimous across the board or is that like something like is that like um what's the word i would I'm say pretty business start off i would say that's your base point because anything under a thousand you're not really getting in front of what you post something you're not getting in front of a lot of people yeah so, yeah you know in the beginning we don't really look at all the likes what we look at is the shares mm. you know comments and shares so comments are very important so that's why we're doing a lot of engaging because the more a person comments the high, more it keeps coming up in people's feeds yeah yeah the more impressions Everybody wants to focus on the likes. You can get a thousand likes, but doesn't mean it's going to pop up people's feeds. It's the comments. It's the shares. Um, mm -hmm. The shares are very important to us because that's helping us build our audience. That's getting us to that thousand. But I would say thousands is your minimal. That's your base point. So I think, you know, anybody with an online business or something like that needs to look at their social media and see where they're at. And from there, they need to make conscious effort to get above that. Yeah. 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 I was asking if it, that totally makes sense. Cause I do think like with just how social media algorithms work of you want to obviously have more impressions and more engagement. Um, and that's really like more important than the likes. So yeah, I was curious if like, that was like Facebook setting out a thousand of like, you need a thousand followers to get whatever. But well, that's just kind of what we kind of came up with just to yeah. kind of see, you know, as we looked at other companies that were a low, below a thousand, how often do you see there's a feed? We would track this type of stuff. We would, you know, you know, just like keep looking, things like that. But I think once you get to a thousand in your area, I mean, I think you're good. Mm -hmm. um, once you, obviously, once you get past 2,000, 5,000, you're going to see your, your numbers jump a lot. Your likes jump way more. Your comments, when you post something, jump a lot more and things like that. And that's what you want, you know. Um, but even when you're going and doing a Facebook ad, that, that's very important because it not just goes in front of your target market. It's also going in front of your 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 your, fur, your current customer base, whoever's following you. So, um, yeah, I think that number is very important. I think a lot of people don't pay too much attention to it, but I think it's crucial. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is to yeah get that base and grow that base. Um, and so also a quick logistical question, because we've been saying Facebook, um, is that like truly the Facebook platform? Because I know with Meta, obviously Instagram's roped in there. So yeah, I, so I would say, when I say Facebook, I do mean Instagram. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're both, <laughs> you can link them together. Um, I do. That's what I love about Shopify. It links to different platforms. Mm -hmm. So we're able to sell directly on Instagram, directly on Facebook, and then we have to come to our website to get those. Um, so I, you know, I think that's what's great about those platforms is they, they make, they're able to connect everything for you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was. I feel like most people now, when you say Facebook, like mean Facebook yeah. and Instagram. So just wanted to clarify, cause I knew it came to mind for me. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's super interesting. And I think also just with coupling that, um, like having a social media presence, obviously, and using that to inform your ad strategy, like we were talking about a little bit of like targeting those zip codes and getting in front of people. I also feel like I mean, maybe this is just my own um, social media algorithm working well for me, but I get like a decent amount of exposure to like people crafting and like crickets and DIY hacks as well. Um, so I wonder if you like, do you have any ideas or any, um, any 
perspectives or opinions on like if the craft community is like very heavily weighted on social media as opposed to like other people because I feel like I see a lot of people on like just creators or influencers or just people sharing be like oh I tried out this hack and like it worked out well so I wanted to share it with other people like it feels very organic in that sense yeah I think that's just the way our society is gone so I mean mm-hmm. if you want to learn something first thing that people run to is YouTube or these groups um there's a group for everything you know so <laughs> yeah there really is cooking <laughs> if you're cooking if you're saying to hunting things like that you know there's a group for everything so I just think understanding as a business owner that this is the way people operate, you know, you have to understand it. It's not like it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago, you know, so now you know where you have to be and how you have to get in front of them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I, yeah, I think it's probably not um, just unique to the industry, but no, I think it's creative. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's more just creative energy. I feel like that's where we're going towards with social media. Um, and I wanted to ask you as well. So We've been talking a lot about social media, about ads, but I also think like just in the marketing playbook, SEO, wanted to touch upon that as well um, and have you share your opinions around. Um, SEO is tough. It is, um, but it's important. So I always look at social media. That's our short term solution right there. But our long play is always SEO. You know, mm-hmm. um, search engine optimization is is key. Um, it's gonna it's gonna definitely you know show you up in a lot of things from Google Maps to Google to um, even like the different groups and all that type of stuff. Um, so I think it's important when somebody's looking at SEO companies that they um, they follow three different steps. I mean, there's three key things. I think that's a big part that maybe like people deter from SEO because there's a lot of companies out there. And the thing with advertising and marketing, there's no guarantees. So, you know, you can spend 5,000 in a three month period. It doesn't even mean you're going to make back that five grand, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I do think people should research how to vet their SEO companies. I think that's very, very important. We've gone through our string of different companies. We we have one now that we're happy with, but um, we've learned a lot throughout the, along the way. Um, so there's three key things, I think, when you're vetting a company. And um, for one, you have to understand that you're interviewing them. It's not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, they're trying to learn your company and they're trying to figure out how they can help you. But you have to understand you're interviewing them. So you have to understand what they're offering. you. So um, the number one thing I always ask right away is how are the undeliverables? You know, mm. are, are you on time? What's your process when you're off track? You know, how are you communicating? Is there a time period? So you have some companies like say it's a website update. They'll say, OK, we did this date. You know, well, well, if we're behind, we're going to notify you 24 to 48 hours before you have to find out their process. If they can't answer that, huge red flag. But deliverables are important. Not more frustrating when you're paying somebody to do something and they're they're telling you it's going to be done by Thursday and Thursday's here and it's not done. And, and, you know, you're trying to get a hold of it. You shouldn't be getting a hold of them. They should have a process in place knowing when they're going to make that deadline. So that's number one that I always ask SEO companies. Two is, uh, you know, the budget. So you should know your budget going in, what you're willing to spend and what you're you're marketing for that. Um, So within that, when you're talking about budget with this company, you understand what the desired contract is because it shouldn't just be open-ended, right? When you're dealing with SEO companies, um, the first, you got to give them some time to work, but there should be some type of expectation at a certain period of time. So if they're saying it takes a year, huge red flag, right? So um, you should be seeing some type of traffic, measurables, analytics, things like that happening in a much shorter period of time, three to six months, somewhere in there, you should be seeing something. But whatever you decide, you know, basically understanding this is your budget. This is what our desired contract looks like, you know, the length, the duration. Um, and in there should be, you know, you should require certain reporting, analytics, um, you know, understand are they sending out weekly reports, monthly reports? Um, what does it look like? Are they going to teach you how to read those reports? What those reports mm. mean? Break them down. So that's the number. The second thing I always talk about. And then the third thing, when you're looking at a company, this probably comes down to the more, if you get past the first two, is the knowledge of our industry. What do you, yeah. do you have other customers like me? You Or are you mostly doing construction companies and fast food places? You know, odds are you're not going to know how to, get up get my customer get up and build our business up 
So um, that's very important. If they're dealing with other people that's like you, then obviously that's a company that's experienced in your industry and they're going to know how about how to go get you growth and, you know, customers and, you know, converted sales and things like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think those are great takeaways, like really tangible things for someone who's listening to be able to say like, oh, I, I've actually been meaning to get like someone um, who's an SEO expert and that uh, company or an agency that would help me do work on that. So I think those are great. Um, a question for you or a couple of questions, I guess I should say. So, well, the first one's actually a comment. Um, I do think like your first one about um, like, just like make sure that you are interviewing them and understanding what they're offering and looking at, um, you know, like the deliverables and like really comes down to the accountability part of it. Right. Um, I think it can be super interesting that like, or not super, um, I think what's interesting around that point is that it can seem like you're, it's just the company like that you're working with or the company that you hired that it's like, okay, if they don't hit a deliverable, that's like on their team. But I've also worked with, um, agencies who, if they don't hit their deliverable, like our schedule is also thrown off because we are planning around them hitting their deliverable. Um, so I just wanted to add that to the mix. Cause I think that's also important because it has like a domino effect of like, okay, now, so, you know, if you have to schedule this website revamp or this blog post going out or this piece of content, whatever it is, like if that has to be shifted around, then what, else is being moved like okay now if you're posting that tomorrow what are what you're gonna post tomorrow is that now being shifted back a day and then like you have to kind of scramble if you know you don't have that enough notice um like if you're told that morning when it you know something isn't going to be hit it's like what do you do then right you have to scramble or like how can you fill that spot depending what the deliverable is, you can build into your contract certain compensation. So if, you know, for us, like, you know, if something's crucial for us is a website update, right? If we're adding a new product and you're saying it's going to be up by Thursday, and I'm telling everybody this is available Thursday, it's got to be available Thursday. If you don't mm-hmm. hit that, then we might be looking at 15% back in a month. You can build that in your contract. You have to understand like with those deliverables, what's important, what will affect you. And those, if, if, those are going to be an issue that you feel like they are. You can build in compensation back in that contract for yourself so that here, because this might cost us sales, you know, yeah. so that's very important. Or like I said, if it's a scheduling thing, if it's going to affect our scheduling, that's important, you know, so there might be a penalty built in that contract. Um, I think most people don't get the, I think that it comes all the way around where the SEO companies interviewing them is because it's not their field. So mm. I don't, you know, you don't know much about it. You know, I didn't know much about it going in. So obviously you're you're relying on them being the expert, but the last thing you want to do is when you're paying somebody, let them drive the car. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's important that you educate yourself, understand what you're looking for out of them, because what you don't want to do, like most people, including myself, that, you know, you spend a lot of money and you feel like you got nothing in return. And then you go into a new company and you're starting all over and things like that. So you kind of want to help yourself out a little bit. Um, and, and the reason why most people feel uncomfortable and they let them drive the car is because it's not their area and they didn't educate themselves. They didn't do any research behind it. So I feel like when you start doing research behind it, you know what you're looking for, you know what you're expecting out of the company, you know, you're reading reviews, you're, you're kind of like one step, step ahead in the ball game right there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I definitely think it's, it's perhaps easier to fall into that trope of like, oh, they're the experts. So I'm going to put my faith in them or I'm going to trust that they know what they're doing or will deliver whatever you put in that sentence. Um, so I think it's always a good reminder to have that where it's like, no, if just because you're not the expert doesn't mean that, you know, you don't have to talk have about that expectation. We talk about after market, so many different strategies, right? So mm-hmm. like you might give it an SEO company that is into blocks and they say, well, this is how we build up our other customers. We write on blocks. Now that, that takes a really long time, right? Um, and, you know, we have one company for a year, they wrote blogs, got us a lot of traffic, but no conversions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then we went, obviously when we moved on from them, we went to another company that was based around PPC, you know, Google AdWords, and we started putting immediate results and they got there faster and double and, and moved away from, from the blocks. So your industry may be not, uh, one a company that uses a lot of blocks, you know, like I said, that's why it's important that they have knowledge of your industry because they'll know what strategy will work for you. 
Yes. Yeah. 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 That's okay. So that kind of answered one of my follow-up questions for that second um, category that you had of, you know, the budgets and having, making sure that you're setting those expectations before, you know, you enter into a professional relationship. And so you kind of touched upon it, but like metrics to look at, I know, obviously it depends on whatever that company is an expert in. Like you just said, if they're like PPC or blogs or, um, whatnot, but do you find like it are, are there kind of safeties for like any industry, um, across the board that would be like a good thing to consider, even if you're doing like blogs or if you're doing, um, pay-per-click ads, you know, like, is it always like, you should always be concerned with website traffic or specifically blog traffic or conversion rates, or is it really, it depends on the industry and what works. I think it depends on the industry. Some get a faster growth than others. Um, but I do, you know, obviously you mentioned the, the, um, Website clicks and things like that. Your traffic to your website is always very important. Um, conversion rates are very, very important. Things like that. Um, so those are, you should always be conscious of. But you also have to be realistic. If I say this is what I'm going to spend, you know, a common question I ask most SEO companies is, at what point do, do you start paying for yourself? Mm-hmm. So I need to know what that path looks like. Is it, you know, six months? Is it a year? If they're going past a year, I would say find somebody else. But you know, usually within three to nine months, you, they should be able to have a path saying, we should be able to hit this amount of traffic, this amount of conversion. And we know you're paying, say you're paying $3,000 a month. We got to get the 6,000 to at least cover this bill. You know, you're not profitable until you, you to reach 6,000, you know, stuff like that. Um, now, of course, your profit margins will come into play with that, with that number, but um, they should be able to map that out for you. If they can't map it out for you, then definitely, you know, keep looking. Yeah. Red flag. (laughs) And then, so another follow-up question, um, say in your opinion, say you find, you know, they hit number one and number two, feeling good about the relationship, but they haven't worked with someone in your industry before to you would that, um, would that be a deal breaker or a deal breaker, but I'll probably do a shorter lease. So I'll probably Mm. say here, we're going to do a three month contract. And this yeah. is where we're going to be. We're going to, you know, and this is where we're expecting to be in three months. This is what you're promising you can get to, you know, don't promise anything you can't deliver on. And then from there, you know, if you say we can hit this benchmark in three months, now we'll look at another six months. We're going to look at that, that relationship with a little more caution. We're not going to give them as long as of a leash. Most SEO companies want a year or something like that. Um, you know, so we, you know, if we feel confident in it, they, they're, they know what they can do. They just haven't worked on the industry. You might just look at a shorter leash with them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's super helpful. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Those are great takeaways. I think for anyone who's considering and to like, even outside of SEO, right. Like of just anyone that you're working with, I think you can take high level, those learnings that you've had through working with, um, different companies and different agencies and different experts in different fields of like, make sure that you're keeping yourself and your own company accountable when you're entering into these relationships or these contracts that like you're checking these boxes, even if it isn't specific to SEO. Right. Yeah. So a company, you know, we may come across a company, they, they don't know anything about what we do, but say they're used to work on products and they, they're, they got huge, huge numbers in upselling or cross-selling, right? So mm-hmm. this is something we're going to look at and say, well, here, you know, obviously this is going to raise our customer average spend. You know, these are, you know, they may not know final, but, you know, obviously they can learn it. They can get to understand it. Um, but what they're doing with these other companies, you know, are impressive. So, you right. know, take those key factors into play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely situational. I would say for sure. Like as nice as it is to have these different steps that you're going to walk through and try and check your boxes. Um, it's like, you can't stay too, you can't be so objective that you're not taking things into consideration like that. Like if someone has impressive numbers and you're like, okay, like that, that speaks to a lot as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you've given them a three month period or four month period, you know, to, to really show what they can do. And, and this also puts some ownership on them. Like they're, they're mm-hmm. probably not used to working that way, but if they really want that business, then they want your business, then they're going to, they're going to go to work for you. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to prove it. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I know we've been talking obviously about a lot of the marketing learnings that you've had running advanced vinyl and whatnot. Um, I'd like to transition and talk about the customer experience of someone, you know, through your D 2 C store purchasing. Um, can you walk us through a little bit of like someone lands on your website, purchases from you post-purchase is obviously where Malomo lies in. So we're definitely really interested, um, to hear about that or just have you share about that and just like more, um, shift the conversation more towards retention plays. Yeah. So, um, for us, obviously for any, any business retention is huge, right? Right. You know, you look at like, you know, how much marketing you spend on, I, I saw the question, how much is on customer acquisition? How much is on retention? In the yep. beginning, the beginning part, you're going to be heavily customer acquisition. Mm-hmm. Once you get to a certain point, you're going to get to like, you're going to scale it back to become, you know, more customer retention to where you're 50, 50, you know, that's where you ideally you want to be 50% customer acquisition, 50% uh, retention for us, how we work with customer retention is very important. So um, we offer, you know, obviously we, you know, we use Clavio um, with their SMS uh, um, text messaging. So that's a great way. Most people do like the text messaging. So we'll offer discounts deals. We also have the Clover system which is great because the Clover system offers rewards. And what it does is if they download the Clover Go app, whenever they walk into a place that has Clover already, they it automatically lets them know you have this many points for this amount of discount. So if Walgreens has Clover, as soon as they walk in the door, it's going to tell them. So, and that's huge. And people like that. People obviously want to keep, if they like a place and they see something they like, they want to keep going back. They want to get those discounts. Right, yeah. So I would always recommend a re- some type of reward system, whether you're doing through your Shopify site or you're doing through in-store, um, your point of sale system, you definitely should have some type of reward system. Um, another thing that we we do is um, a lot of times, you know, because we're shipping out products that people are crafting with. Mm-hmm. You know, we're always like, you know, when it, when it sends out, we see it's delivered, we send an email. Thank you. You know, we hope you love it. Feel, for, feel free to contact, uh, uh, send back uh, some images of what you made with it, right? What, what happened? What's the end product? And people love showing off their work. So we get a I'm lot sure. of emails and a lot of times we'll feature them on our, our Facebook page or Instagram page. And we'll, you know, these were the pro- projects that were made with our product. You know, people can see them. Um, we give shout out to their, their company. So it's great for them. They get a small bit, you know, us, you know, like one of our Facebook pages has like 20,000 followers. So when we shout out somebody, you know, that's wow. a big boost for them. So, you know, for, but you passing along that recognition to the customer goes a long, long way. That's a really cool application of like getting people to send back images with the crafts that they've made. Um, Because I think about that with like user generated content and my, like quickly, my mind goes to um, just like beauty products of people showing off like, oh, this is what it looks like on. And I, yeah, I just haven't thought through what that would look like for a craft store and like craft supplies and people who are crafting. And I think that's so cool because it also, of course, lends to like UGC and the branding of like, look at all of our awesome customers, look at all the awesome things that they're doing with our supplies. Um, yeah, it's getting more recognition as well because if they have a small home business, you know, mm-hmm. give them a, you know, and people get to visit their page. We'll see a lot of it, a lot of things like that. Um, and there's a, a lot of other things you can do as well. But the, the main thing is you have to, when you look at customer retention, you, you know, you're building that relationship. So you have to find ways to where, you know, you're doing things for them. So I have a thing I always call with them. What's in it for me? And I love that. <laughs> when you talk about customer acquisition, I mean, I'm sorry, customer retention, that's the one thing. What's in it for them? Is it, you know, is it discount? Is it recognition? Is it, you know, it could be any number of things, but the main thing is you have to know your customer and know how, how, how they feel rewarded. If you do that, then you can build that relationship. And we definitely follow our, our customer retention rate very close. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I really love that. Um, that take on it of like always trying to think, through like what's in it for them what's an incentive to come back and shop with us again and have repeat purchases because that's really when you start to see 
retention payoff and that acquisition cost also pay off of if you can get someone to keep coming back and love your products and love your brand. And so I think it's very, that's such a unique way to do it. And I'm also like my mind now, just because of our expertise being in post-purchase flows and emails, it's like, okay, how could you even show that off when someone purchases and be like, this is what someone else has made with the product that you just bought. And like, even rope in that user, user generated content right there. When someone is like most excited about their product, when it's on their, on the way to them. Right. And they're like, so excited that the package is going to be arriving. Um, really, really cool application there. You know, so there's a couple other ways too. So when you look at like customer retention, you know, it also ties into referrals, right? So Mm -hmm. we looking at, you know, so what we all commonly know cross-selling is with the baking industry, right? You know, (laughs) they sell you more services and that locks you in as a customer, right? You have to look at your business and say, well, what else? So if we sell the vinyl, obviously they're going to need the vinyl. What goes with that? Vinyl remover in case they make a mistake. They're going to need that. So you know, obviously we're cross-selling the different products that help keep them with us. We don't want to just sell one one aspect of the product and then they got to go somewhere else to get something else. Because what if they sell the pro- both things as well? So when you're yeah. building out your business, look at that. That cross-selling has to be important because it keeps that customer with you um, and it helps with referrals because they're going to say, well, they have this. So a great thing with referrals, what we do a lot of times is say something like in a cheer group, somebody refers us for like the cheer uniforms. And they'll say like, cause they'll, they'll tag us, right? They'll say, yeah. color, right. <laughs> and if we get an order off that. A lot of times we'll, we'll, we'll message, I'll message that person back and say, you know, thank you for the referral customer place order. We're going to give you five or 10% off your next order. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like, it's almost like a commission for that. Yeah. Order, right. If you're going to pay a salesperson, why not pay your current customer? Let them become your salespeople. Cause you'll, what they'll do is naturally start referring you more. Mm-hmm. there's a whiff for them right so yeah I also I love that of like turning your customers into like those affiliates or into sales um because they're some of the strongest people you know you could have advocate for your brand and suggest it when you know a friend says oh I need to do this like or that looks beautiful what you did how did you do that and you know the rest is history like word of mouth marketing and referrals there's so much power to them people do it naturally Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people get rewarded if you reward yeah. them. And um, if 5%, 10% shouldn't be, I mean, that's what you would pay a salesperson. So yeah. that, that should be nothing for you to be able to give that discount to a, to a current customer, somebody mm-hmm. who's a and advocating for you. So, yeah. And it also goes right back into the flywheel because then, you know, they're motivated to purchase again with you. So it, you know, it all comes back around. Um, and I love the point that you made about the, about cross-selling with having, you know, if someone's buying vinyl, then having a remover. Um, and I also think like part of that is also, it's just convenient, like to have something pop up. And I think that's something that's so wonderful about the internet is like, yes, data, privacy, all that stuff. But um, it's also just to have something pop up and be like, oh, I didn't even know I would need that. Or like, didn't even think to purchase that. And then you have, you know, this platform or this store, this person telling you like, oh, you should also get this because we know you so well, or we know other people like you so well, and we've paid attention to it that, you know, we found, um, you, you kind of want these tools together and it makes your life easier. And if you have both tools and they come together, isn't that, you know, isn't that just better? And I think even when like someone maybe is starting out who hasn't ever, or who is just getting into trying to make uniforms or vinyl of having that convenient cross sell right there being like, Oh, I didn't even know I would need this thing or if I had this, it would make my life more convenient. I think that's also part of the conversation there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and so with are there any other, I know you mentioned Clover for um for rewards. And so is that also part of I'm not I'm not familiar with Clover. So is that also part of the D2C experience? Because I know you said like walking into a store. Like, and you yeah, gave the examples of Walmart. Is that also part of the D2C? Correct. So online? the Clover is just a point of sale system. 
So that's the point of sale system in the store. So that's mm. the register that you pay with. But um, there's different point of sale systems, whether it be, you know, they Shopify actually has one, um, PayPal, Square. There's a lot of different companies out there. Um, I would say I always recommend make sure they got a reward system built in. Make sure they got an inventory system built in. Make sure they got, they, they, they're reporting tracks who your customers are. You know, so like ours tell us not only like for this month, we had, you know, a thousand customers out of a thousand 556 were repeat customers. So that's huge right there for that number right there. Out of this, some wow. of them were yeah. feeding. It'll break it down. We can look at item sales, how much, how many people pay cash, pay credit card, pay, you know, check, you know, things like that. That's very important. Um, you know, so, but just make sure your point of sale system has certain attributes when you're deciding to go with them. Okay. Gotcha. That helps clarify there. Um, and then, so, because I think this might round out everything we've been talking about nicely. Um, how do you use, you know, that post-purchase data that you're getting of like, who just bought from you? How does that also fuel like social media and ads and kind of what we were talking about earlier in the conversation? Like, do you use that data to say, you know, this person purchased, let's target, um, this area, does that also feed into what you were saying about the zip code and like uh, school districts and whatnot? It does. And, you know, so in the beginning, that's what you're doing. You're collecting data, right? It's very, very important. You have to collect data. You have to be, because, you know, you may think your customers one type, but there's seasonality to a lot of businesses. Mm, So that, that avatar may change. So we do it by month, right? So we may say like, um, we're heavily teachers, you know, you know, women teachers for the month of January because of MLK birthday, all the, the the plays that go along with that, all the people, you know, going back to school, the teachers, stuff like that. But that may be different from, say, like June, which is Father's Day and there's Juneteenth and things like that or versus, you know, Fourth of July. There's so we'll track that data and look at it. We take it by month. So this mm-hmm. way we know what our customer looks like. So when we run these Facebook ads, we run these Instagram ads on all the social TikTok, whatever it may be. We know for this time of month, for this for this event, what we're looking for. This is the ad we need to run. This is what we're gearing towards. Because again, we want to get the most out of our ad dollars. I don't want to spend sixty dollars to get forty dollars in orders return. If yeah. I'm spending sixty dollars on ads, I want two hundred and forty dollars in return on sales. Mm-hmm. That's very very important. Um, so yeah, I would say collect as much data as possible. Use what's available. Shopify has great analytics. Use all that to your ability, but then break it down by month or by quarter so you can understand what your business, and every business is different. Some might be by quarter, so maybe do it first half, second half of the year, things like that. Um, but at least that tells you how to spend your ad dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I'm not surprised to hear that, right? Like data, super important. I think that's been a common theme, you know, whatever topic we've been talking about that's running throughout it. Um, and so I think that's a great spot to end this wonderful, wonderful and very educational chat. So thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, it's been great just getting to learn more about advanced final and learn more about, you know, all of your learnings throughout creating such a wonderful brand. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me.